بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل بهی و قد المکاره و یا من یفتو بهی حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمسو منه المخرج الى روح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on صحيفة سجادية by Mizan Institute والحمد لله الذي لو حبس عن عباده معرفة حمده على ما أبلاهم من مننه المتتابعة وأسبغ عليهم من نعمه المتظاهرة لتصرفوا في مننه فلم يحمدوه in this excerpt of Sahifa Sajjadiyah, Dua number one, the Imam, he puts his finger on something that is usually neglected by the normal people. He says all praise is, to, to, is due to Allah, for had he withheld from his servants the knowledge to praise him, for the uninterrupted kindness with which he has tried them and the manifest favors which he has lavished upon them, they would have moved about in his kindnesses without praising him and spread themselves out in his provision without thanking him. Okay, so first things first, brothers and sisters, we want to talk about this term, hamd. We have this term used right in the beginning of the Qur'an when it says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen in Suratul Al-Fatiha. Hamd has a definition and it also has another usage as well. The definition of it, when you look it up, Hamd is going to mean praise for something, for a good act or deed that has been done voluntarily, without force, without it being accidental. So for example, when we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, it means all praise is due to Allah. That means all the good things out there that are happening. Either He has directly done, or even if something is being done by others that is good, it goes back to Him. It is something that is stemming from his knowledge, his power, it's his skill, his just goodness that good things happen or he does good things. So, hamd means praise towards something that is voluntarily done that is very good. Now, sometimes a hamd is also used for thankfulness and gratefulness. And this is the, ter- this is the I would say, definition or usage that people usually understand. This is the meaning that people will understand from hamd when when they when something good happens they say alhamdulillah meaning thanks to allah it in, in reality it's used interchangeably with shukran lillah you're thanking allah that is what hamd is usually understood how it's un- usually understood by the people but in reality i would say the primary meaning of it is praise when you say alhamdulillah rabbil alamin all praise is due to allah not all thanks is due to allah yes if you have certain context clues if the context dictates such, then hamd is going to mean uh, gratefulness and thankfulness. So for example, in Ziyarat Ashura, when we go to Sajda and we say, Allahumma laka alhamd, hamd al-shakirin laka ala musabihim. Over there, when we're saying all praises to you, all hamd is to you, the ziyara itself is determining what is meant by hamd there. Oh Allah, Allahumma laka alhamd. Oh Allah, hamd belongs to you. What kind of hamd? The hamd of those who are thankful towards you. So in other words, this is a thankfulness that we have. So in cases like these, where it is determined by the context clues, 
Hamd can mean shukr and gratefulness and thankfulness instead of just mere praise or sheer praise, excuse me. Now, here in this part of the dua, it says, Walhamdulillahilladhi, all praise is to Allah who lawhabasa an ibadihi ma'rifata hamdihi. That if he was to deprive them, if he was to hold back from his servants, what? The understanding of his hamd. Understanding that they need to do hamd. What kind of hamd is, it, is meant here? What kind of hamd is meant here? Based on the clues that I'm looking at, as the sentence goes on, it speaks of blessings. Minanihi wa ni'amihi. The ni'mah that he's given them and the blessings and the favors. If it's talking about blessings and favors and gifts that Allah has given the people, here hamd will probably mean shukr and thankfulness. Especially since when, as we go further into this excerpt, it also brings up the word shukr itself. It says, They wouldn't have thanked him. So, we'll, and we'll get to that part a little later. But all in all, what I'm trying to get at here is that when it says, Understanding that they have to do hamd of him, what is meant by hamd here is thankfulness, gratefulness, shukr. So let's go back. All praises to Allah. لَوْ حَبَسَ عَنْ عَيْبَادِهِ If he had withheld from his servants the knowledge to praise him, to thank him, although the translation, I'm reading the translation, the English one, it has translated it, the knowledge to praise him. But as I said, I very humbly um, believe that what is meant by hamd here is thankfulness, not just praise. Or if you really want to bring praise into the equation, you will say praise that is mixed with thankfulness and gratefulness. So this hamd in ma'rifata hamdihi means gratefulness. But that hamd in the beginning of the excerpt, where it said, ibadi, That hamd will mean praise. Because as I said, praise is something that is done in return for or because of a good act that is, has taken place. So what is the good act, the beautiful act here that we are praising Allah for? We're saying this is something that you've done and it's so good, we're praising you. And that is the fact that he has not withheld the ma'rifah of his thankfulness from his servants. So he has allowed his servants to understand that they have to thank him for his blessings. The fact that Allah has allowed us such, has allowed us to thank, be thankful of him, that itself is a very beautiful act by Allah that He deserves praise for. Just like how He creates a beautiful flower, how He fine-tunes the universe, all of this deserves His praise. The same way, the fact that He's allowed us to be thankful of Him and understand that we have to be thankful of Him, that deserves praise. Okay, so we have two hamds in this first line. The first of those two is a praise of Allah for something great He's done. The second one, is thankfulness and gratefulness. Understanding that we have to be thankful to him. We have to thank him. Okay, so having made that initial point, it speaks of the minan al-mutatabi'ah and the ni'am al-mutadahira of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's saying that Allah granted us with this understanding that we have to be thankful to him. Regarding what? Regarding the minan that he has sent down upon us one after another successively without any 
any big gap between them. One after another, he's sending them down on us. Number one. Number two, and the blessings that are showing themselves. Al-Mutadahira. It comes from Dhuhur. They are Dahir. They, sh- they are very clear to us. Yeah, you can count them, I would say. Although, because they're so high in number, as the Quran says, you won't be able to count all of your God's blessings. But they are apparent. If a person had enough time to start counting them, they could go through them. It would never end, but at least they can count them because they can see them. They're tangible. It's not like they're subtle and you can't see them. Although, we believe that there are many blessings Allah has also given us that we can't even see. We can't even point out. But there are some that are mutadahira. So number one, the minan. I still have to explain what minan is. Minan is the plural of minna, or as they say, minnat. So the minnats of Allah that are coming one after another successively without a gap in between them. As, and those blessings that are very clearly coming down, that we see, that we can point out. Alright, so now the question is this. Some have pointed this out. That there's a difference between minan and ni'am. Although we'll probably translate both to blessings. But there's a minna and there's a ni'mah. What is the difference between these two? One of these uh, commentators of Sahifa Sajjadiyah I found uh, explaining the difference between the two. For minna, he goes back to the root of the term and he says the root of it refers to those stones that are used to weigh things with. When you want to weigh something, you put a stone on one side of the scale and then you put that object on the other scale, on the other uh, tray in the scale. Uh, that stone that you're using, yes, is what the root of minna means. And so, Concludes, he concludes uh, by saying that, uh, or he concludes from this, that those big, heavy blessings of Allah are referred to as minna. On the flip side, those normal little ones that we that happen you know, a lot in our lives as well, although the min, uh, here it says minna mutatabi'ah, which means that, that even the heavy ones are happening one after another. But those other ones that we usually can see and are happening a lot when we look at them, those are ni'mah. So a ni'mah is a blessing, small or maybe even big, but minna is those very big heavy ones. That's the difference that he has explained. So I thought that would be nice to uh, share with the brothers and sisters. Anyway, it says that all praises to Allah, who, if he had withheld from his servants the understanding that they must be thankful towards his blessings that are coming down upon them one after another and are tangible and visible and and noticeable, what would have happened? If, if Allah had withheld that ma'rifah of his hamd, what would have happened? They would have used those minan, they would have consumed, they would have benefited from those minan, those big blessings that he has sent them, while not doing his hamd and shukr, not thanking him. If Allah had held back from this, they wouldn't have done it. In other words, they wouldn't have figured it out on their own. In other words, this is something Allah has put in us. And we'll talk about this later. It's a very important concept that we have. The shukr of the mun'im. We'll talk about that in a little bit. What would have happened is, they would have not thanked him for his blessings. So someone will say, okay, what I get from this isn't something very big. This is obvious. It's saying that if Allah hadn't 
allowed us to understand that we have to thank him, then we wouldn't have thanked him. Of course, obviously, we wouldn't have thanked him. What's the big deal? The big deal is here that Allah, that the Imam is making it clear that this itself is a blessing by Allah and it is a divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's placed within us, that we have a ma'rifah in us, an understanding in us, all of us, that if someone blesses us, namely God, then we have to be thankful to him. This thankfulness is a blessing itself. The fact that we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a blessing itself. We might not understand it. We might think that we thank when we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is something that's coming from within me to the point that I have some it's, it all has to do with me. I have I only have something to do with it. No one else has something to do with this, but that's not the reality of the matter. The the reality of the matter is that even this is a blessing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the great sages of Islam, the great saints of Islam, when they had blessings from Allah, they would ask Allah to bless them with thankfulness for the blessing that has been given to them. In the story of Prophet Sulaiman Prophet Sulaiman was very blessed. Allah had given him a lot. And so he had given him the knowledge of the language and speech of the animals. And so in one, in one story, when he understands what some animals are saying to each other, he understands that this is a blessing. And guess what? He doesn't say, Oh Allah, I thank you. He says, Oh Allah, give me the opportunity and blessing to be thankful towards you. This is beautiful. These are those lessons of Tawheed that the Qur'an and the Ahlul Bayt teach us. The fact that even if I'm thankful, that itself is a blessing that I'm supposed to thank Allah for. I need to thank Allah that He gave me the opportunity to be thankful towards Him. And before I thank Him for a blessing, I ask Him to bless me with the opportunity to be thankful towards the blessing He has given me. Wow! That is pretty deep. So in that story of Prophet Sulaiman, let me just share it with you. It says, this is uh, in Surah, Surah An-Naml, and these are verses 17, 18, and 19 that I'm going to be reading. It says, once Sulaiman's hosts, his army, were marched out for him, comprising of jinn, humans, and birds, and they were held in check when they came to the valley of ants, an ant said, so the animal here, brothers and sisters, is an ant, talking to other ants. When they came to the valley of ants, an ant said, O ants, enter your homes, lest Suleiman and his army should trample on you while they are unaware. Be careful. Suleiman's army is coming, and they're probably not paying attention, and they're going to just smash all of you without even knowing it. Here it says that Suleiman, when he, when he heard this, and of course he understood it, he smiled. It says, whereat he smiled, amused at its words, at the words of this ant. And he said, and this is the part that I was referring to, My Lord, inspire me to give thanks for your blessing with which you have blessed me and my parents, and that I may do righteous deeds. So Allah, bless me with thankfulness towards you, Bless me with righteous deeds that I do which may please you, and admit me by your mercy among your righteous servants. I personally find that to be beautiful. That's a beautiful story. Okay, so, لَتَصَرَّفُوا فِي مِنَانِهِ فَلَمْ يَحْمَدُوهُ 
Now, what's the problem? What is the problem if we do all of this? We or we gain all of these blessings, but we don't thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah hasn't put this in us that we are thankful towards Him. What's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is if this was the case and they were not able to for whatever reason because Allah hadn't allowed them to hadn't blessed them with this understanding that they have to be thankful they would have exited the bounds of humanity they would have not no longer been human beings but rather they would be Bahimi, they would have been within the confines and the definition and the category of Bahimiya, beast, be, being a beast, being animals. They would have been animals. Why? Because, brothers and sisters, animals, when you do things for them, usually they won't be thankful for it. They'll just walk on and just, you know, let's say like there's a cow. They'll understand that you are a source of food for them and all of that. And yes, there are some animals that will show their gratitude somehow in one way or another. For example, dogs are like that. They show some gratefulness, it, uh, it seems. Or other animals. But all in all, what I'm trying to say is this. When you look at the definition of an animal, when you are counting the characteristics of an animal, one of them isn't going to be that it's a, it's, an, it's a grateful being, necessarily. If you've noticed, for example... Um, there's these little clips that you see here and there sometimes where an animal is stuck. Let's say a deer is stuck in some fence or something. The moment they cut it loose, the animal runs away. Does it stand around to like thank the person? <laughs> no. Yeah. So this is not one of the qualities of an animal that it's grateful. Yeah, you do something for it once, twice, slowly it will understand that, okay, there's a, this person is a source of of sustenance for me and all of that. And for some animals, you might get that feeling. But that's beyond the point right now. The imam here is saying, Bahimiyah. Bahimiyah means animalness, being an animal. Animals, all in all, it is not part of their definition. It is not one of their qualities to be thankful. And so one of those things that sets the human being apart from the animal is thankfulness, according to this excerpt of As-Sahifa Sajjadiyah. The Imam is saying, look, if Allah had not given us this, then we would have been no different than the animals out there. In other words, thankfulness is one of those things that defines an insan and human being. And if a person does not leave those boundaries or bounds of animalness to enter into the scope of the human being, the, the Imam goes on to say what's wrong with that. He recites a verse of the Quran here. The Imam says that if this was the case, that they were not able to understand that they have to be thankful, then they are like what this verse is speaking of. They are an example of what this verse is speaking of. The verse that says, they are but as the cattle. Nay, but they are further astray from the way. So cattle, that's how they are. They could care less about these things. The problem is that this human being who does not understand that they have to be shakir, that they have to be thankful and grateful towards a blessing, 
The verse says they are worse than cattle. They are more lost than cattle. And that's something we need to talk about. Why are they more lost than cattle? Well, because as probably many of you have already heard this point that a, a cow, let's say, can, doesn't have the potential to be a human being, an insan, okay? A cattle, a cow is going to be a cow. That's all they are. With us though, with us human beings, there are two facets to us. At the same time, we are, on one hand, we are mammals. We are, from a biological perspective, we are animals. We belong to the animal kingdom. But at the same time, there's something about us that sets us apart from all the other animals within the animal kingdom. And that is the free will Allah has endowed us with. That is the aql and intellect that Allah has given us. According to this excerpt, it is the understanding of thankfulness towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that sets us apart, that sets us apart, and so on and so forth. These are all things that set us apart. So we will be animals biologically. But from a, let's call it, barzakhi slash otherworldly slash ukhrawi perspective, are we also human beings or not? That's the question. So we are animals, just like all the other animals within the animal kingdom, from that sense, biologically speaking. But we have the potential for our ruh and our soul to be that of a human being, not of an animal. So with the body that Allah has given us, with the biological animalness that Allah has given us, plus the willpower that we have, the free will that we have, the aql and intellect that we have, we can use this vessel that we have, this body, this physical body that we have, Use it with the right decisions, with the free will, with the intellect that Allah has given us, so that not only so that we're not just biologically humans, but rather we also our soul becomes insan as well. The cattle don't have that opportunity. The cattle who is biologically a mammal doesn't have what it takes because it doesn't have the free will, it doesn't have the aql and intellect, it doesn't have that. Cannot ha- doesn't have the opportunity to become in its ruh and in its soul a human being, an insan. It doesn't have that. For us though, we have a biological self, which is the animal self that we are, that is called a human being, a biological human being, that is no different than all the other animals out there. We are mammals just like other mammals. A cow is a cow, an elephant is an elephant, a human being is a human being. This is our physical makeup. This is our physical de- the definition. Our materialistic self is an animal. And what category of animals? Human being. So this biological human being that we are, it has the opportunity to turn us into, our soul into, not just an animalistic soul, but the soul of an insan. In other words, the angels, when they look at us from above, when we die and we go into the barzakh and we shed this physical, biological, animalistic body of ours, when we go into the barzakh, are we also going to be an animal still? Or are we going to be a human human being, an insan in the akhirah, in the afterlife? The fact that we can be an insan in the afterlife and not just a biological human being here, the fact that we have that potential, but other animals in the animal kingdom don't have that, sets us apart to the point that if we don't actualize this potential, we are lower than those animals. 
the cattle that are out there. The cattle didn't have the opportunity to become an insan on the other side. We had the opportunity to use this biological human being body of ours to make the right decision so that on the other side we are insan and human being as well, but we didn't. So we're going to just be an animal. The fact that someone makes certain decisions in their life, although they are a biological human being and they have more than the biological cow and elephant out there, because they made the same decisions a cow, an elephant, a pig would make, on the other side, that's what they will be, probably. We have literature for this. Our scholars have spoken about this. Philosophy even speaks about this. So the fact that we did not actualize such a potential, and the only thing we actualized was that we turned this ruh of ours, that could have been the ruh of an insan, we turned it into a, the ruh of a pig, a cow, on the other side. The fact that we didn't actualize the potential makes us worse than that cattle. That poor thing didn't have the opportunity. We did. It's like, for example, it's like saying there's a big buying opportunity in the stock market, let's say. For no good reason, a very, uh, a very, a very important and valuable stock falls in price so much and everyone knows now is a buying opportunity. And so a father who is very well off and wants his son to learn how these markets work gives him a hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars. And says, look son, you didn't have to muster up this capital. I gave it to you. I want you to learn how to make the most of opportunities like these in the stock market. Go and purchase such and such stock for this discounted price. And I want you to exhaust this money that I've given you in buying shares of that stock because guess what? In six months or even less, this stock will bounce back and will multiply and by 10x. And that's when this 100 million of yours is going to turn into a billion dollars. I want you to learn these ropes. What does he do? This $100 million, he gets it, goes and spends it on a car, on a very expensive car, cruises, inviting his friends to travel with him and spending lots of money. And before you know it, he's blown that capital. So now, this person didn't invest that money and they actually spent it all. So the dad shakes his head at his son. He's like, I wanted you to learn. I wanted you to make more. Then you could have really had a good time. But what you do? You just blew all the capital I gave you. And he scolds him for it. This person is going to be worse than some other person who is living paycheck to paycheck. Barely making ends meet. Doesn't have any capital to invest in the stock market when there are discount prices on shares. And so is anyone going to turn to this person and say, why didn't you invest? Why didn't you buy stocks when the, when the prices were cheap? Because they were going to 10x in six months, no one's going to scold that person. They didn't have the means for it. But this person is going to be scolded greatly. Like, what in the world is wrong with you? His friends will make fun of him. Your dad gave you $100 million. You could have spent that on something, invested in it. And you would have gotten gains, many gains in a short period of time as a result. But you didn't do that. Like, what is wrong with you? Now, that's just an example. This person had the means they were biologically an insan. Biologically an insan means you have intellect. You have uh, an understanding and a free will that other animals in the animal kingdom that you're also in don't have. Those animals don't even have the potential to actualize anything. So they're going to be animals in and out. 
You, though, who was a, a biological human being, animal, could have also been an, a human being, an insan on the other side. You didn't do that. Well, of course, you're going to deserve scold. And that will probably come in the form of punishment on the Day of Judgment as well. Okay, I explained this point a lot, and uh, I kept going back and forth with it. I wanted to make sure that we nail it and we drive that point home. Inshallah, that uh, is the case. Okay, so having said all of that, brothers and sisters, two points I want to... Uh, discuss here and then we'll end number one is that th since this is something that Allah has put in us because in the beginning of the excerpt it said if Allah had withheld it in other words Allah has not withheld it Allah has allowed it to be there Allah has bestowed mankind with this shukr, with this ma'rifah of shukr this ma'rifah of thanking the one who does something good for you this is something within us Okay, if that's the case, in our conventional the theology books, this is a discussion that we have. One of the reasons it is necessary for a person to go and pursue whether or not there is a God out there is wujubu shukril mun'im, they call it. The necessity of thanking the one who gives you ni'mah and gives you good. In other words, when we look around, when we look at ourselves and we look around us, what do we see? We see a lot of blessings, a lot of things that we didn't even, weren't even solicited, but have been given to us. We have, and so the question naturally that comes up within us is: if there's someone out there who was behind all of this, it is necessary for me to identify who that person is and thank them for it. This is called wujub wa shukril munam. It is one of those sparks that pushes us in the direction of figuring out if there is someone out there or not. You have all this stuff. You're like, this didn't just come out of thin air. Someone must have been behind it. Let me make sure there's, there isn't or is someone behind it. Some, some people might even come to the conclusion that, no, this was all just an accident. Okay, fine. But at least they were pushed in the direction of going and actually seeking a mun'im. Someone who is behind it. A lot of people though, they will go and they will find that, oh, there is a God behind all of this. And so as a result of that, they're like, okay, now we have to thank, be thankful towards this God who has given us unlimited bounties and blessings. How, do I th be, how am I thankful of Him? Well, being obedient towards Him and so on. In the dominoes, one after another, the dominoes will fall. In a good way, of course. So... This spark that's within our fitrah, the way God created us, that if there's someone out there that's done good to us, I have to find out who they are and be thankful towards them. This is one of those things that we have in our theological books and conversations and discussions that pushes us towards going and figuring out and proving if there is a God or not. That's one thing that I wanted to point out. Another point here is that there's other reasons too to be thankful towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran clearly says, "La in shakartum, la If you are thankful to me, and the blessings that I give you, then I will give you more. And so it's interesting, though, because we're in this first du'a of Sahifa Sajadiyah, that is full of Tawheed. All over is Tawheed and, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and recognition of Allah and His oneness and greatness. The Imam, it's as if he doesn't bring us into the picture and our interests into the picture. Or else, that's also another reason to go after Allah and uh, and thank Him. Because He Himself has said, if you thank me, I'll give you even more. But that's our personal interest, brothers and sisters. The fact that we're praising Him, thanking Him, 
so that he gives us more. That is also a reason, but in this part of the dua, the imam, the imam doesn't even point that out. Because it when you look at the dua, he's, he's speaking about Allah himself. Thank you, O oh Allah, for doing what you've done in regards to us. The fact that you've allowed us to exit this uh, the scope of just being an animal and entering the scope of human humanity and humanness. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we thank you for what you've done. Not that we want something for us to happen necessarily as well, although that is something that is also in our literature and we acknowledge. And the Imams will tell us, the Quran will tell us to also keep in mind and do. Be thankful so Allah gives you more. But right now we're acknowledging Allah for what He's done. And that is that He has blessed us with this understanding that we have to thank Him for the blessings that He has given us. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.